You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome, welcome, welcome to Mission Lab, episode 51, What to Do When Your Church Doesn't Get It. And I am thrilled that on this episode, I have a very, very, very special guest. And that guest will introduce herself right now. What is your name, young lady? I'm back. <laughs> I'm Camille. Hello, Camille. I thought we had lost you for good. Yeah, it's great to be back with you guys. We were on a, I was on a little bit of a hiatus. Yes, we had like four or five episodes without you, and I know the masses have yes, been I'm, anxiously I'm sure. waiting to hear your sweet voice again. So why don't you give a count of yourself? Where have you been? I know we don't usually do the little, you know chit chat about life but this is a missional thing we want to share our life with people that's what being missional is all about so give a count of yourself where in the world have you been well technically i really haven't been that many places um several weeks ago you were in michigan and chicago and you spoke out there and that's where you did i think some of your interviews for did a couple of interviews out at at andrews university i was just thinking as i was thinking about how i was out there some delicious Croatian soup I had when I was in Chicago with our friends, the Porosky's. Mm, I missed Porosky. out on that oh, one. It was really good. I don't know why I thought of that other than the fact that I'm hungry, which I always am, as we know. Yeah. And then and then we were down. Um, you joined us in Boston. Uh, That's right. My younger brother, Garrett, uh, ran the Boston Marathon, which was amazing. And my whole family came out for it. And it was freezing, cold, wet incredible what all those athletes did really like 30 to 35 mile an hour wind speeds and torrential downpour and for like the entire marathon marathon. it was really hard to be a spectator (laughs) (laughs) um and then of course and congratulations uh, garrett once again we had there was an american woman that won the women's division for the first time and amazing to see history it was it was really awesome what else, Camille? Uh, and then after Boston, we took our kind of our annual trip nowadays down to Florida mm-hmm. uh, to spend time with your sister and the cousins get to hang out and play. Uh, it's kind of like my blue light therapy, I think, every winter because, you know, for those of you who live in Maine or in the New England area, you know how winter just kind of drags out. I love winter, but it's... I wish it was done like the end of February. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, 60 degree weather come March, but that never happened. So um, this year we actually went a little bit down a little bit later and we went in mid-April and mm-hmm. we had snow when we left and it was awesome. We came back and the grass was green. So I'm not complaining that at all. That was a good strategy. We had a great time, saw dolphins, saw alligators, laid on the beach, were at a couple houses that had pools right with them. And uh, it's tough being a missionary, isn't it, Camille, as I like to say? Yeah, it's just yeah. great to see the the cousins play together and just soaking yeah. up the sun, really. It was of just course, great. We had a good time with my sister, her husband, who we'll be seeing actually tomorrow. We record this 
podcast on a Thursday night, May 10, and uh, we will have seen my brother-in-law, Duncan, and our niece, Aubrey, because they are coming up for... They're coming up for the Kenny Bunk Marathon. Well, it's called Kenny the Bunk. Main Coast Marathon. Main Coast Marathon, which mm. Sean is running this Sunday, which I well, guess... Well, it would have been yesterday or the day before. Yes. Sometimes we release these on Tuesdays. I'm not going to make any prognostications about this event <laughs> ahead of time because when I... This is Sean's second marathon and uh, a second attempt for a marathon for Duncan. So they're both going to do great and um, the weather now is looking great. Doomed. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, enough of the chit chat and the idle talk. Uh, so the question at hand is what to do when your church does not get it. This. Uh, so get what though? Get what? Well, that's what we're going to talk about here. This, this question was posed to us from friends of ours who live less than a thousand miles from here. <laughs> That's what my dad likes to say when he's talking about somebody who's not too far away. Uh, and um, we, again, we're not going to divulge who it is because we, we respect uh, confidentiality. But they have a burden because they are so ramped. Is it ramped or amped? I can never get that I one. I think it's amped. Uh, either one, they're ramped up, they're amped up, they are excited to go. They want to get on mission, they want to get on with missional communities, they're really excited about it, they're they're kind of tired of the same old, same old with church and church as a program and an event and doing traditional evangelism that doesn't seem to produce a lot of disciples, make a lot of disciples. But apparently, they're, the rest of their church family, not, not all of them, but a lot of them, and maybe those in leadership, does not get it, and they don't know what to do. We kind of uh, sort of have addressed this to some degree in our episode, I don't remember which number it was, called Going Rogue. Remember that one, Camille? I do. Question yeah. mark. Going rogue? Question mark. Uh, back then, we I think kind of took a little softer, more cautious approach and said, "Hey, don't go crazy. Don't do anything drastic. Just try to patiently labor with, you know, the leadership in your church." However, I'm wondering if maybe because of course we know the individuals as well, so we know the context. But Camille. Would you ever envision a scenario in which it might be appropriate for people who are really excited about mission to sort of take drastic steps? Yeah, I mean, I I think I said this in the Going Rogue episode yes. where I would encourage people to um, kind of step out on their own if, if they don't feel like leadership is wanting to go that direction. That's fine. It doesn't mean you need to go against leadership. It just means that uh, take a step back and and kind of like we said before. And this is this is uh, this is kind of the situation with the church setting that we're in now is that we rely so much on only the leaders mm-hmm. that it doesn't allow anyone else to um, be used. Or that's kind of the mindset that we've kind of 
taken from it is that like, oh, we've got leaders in those positions. So therefore they're doing this or that. And then therefore we can just kind of sit back and be spectators. So I would encourage people who see this vision, who want to get out there and start, um, you know, making disciples and start getting into their communities to do so by all mm-hmm. means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, first steps would be go to leadership, just try to have a heart to heart with them and the pastor, elders. And you don't need to be demanding no, 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 or no, no. aggressive just try, or anything like that, no, judgmental. No, just try to get a feel for where they are. Just have a, an explicit conversation. Just put everything on the table, say, hey, this is really our burden. We feel God is calling us to follow this vision. And um, we have Camille Brace's permission to follow it as well. <laughs> oh, mercy. Um, no, but this is this is our burden. This is, we feel strongly that this is what God is calling us to do. And you don't even necessarily have to say, this is what the Bible says and you're not following what the Bible says. It's just like, this is what we feel. This is how we feel called to follow God's mission. I think it's more of, it's not, it's more like seeing if leadership wants to get on board. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not asking their permission. No, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. So there is a place, of Because course, you want everyone to, like, see this vision, to see this, yeah. like, getting on board of telling others about Christ and his love and, yeah. and all that. So it's not asking permission by any means because this is what Christ has called us to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not asking permission at the same time, there is a um, a place for submission to the the larger body, um, but I think there is also a place for one if they determine that that continuing in that environment is just life draining then maybe a next step would be to say, you know what, we feel God calling us not to, you know, start like an offshoot or to start like a, um, you know, a a rebellious group of people that are going against, just saying, you know what, like Paul and Barnabas, to use a biblical precedent in Acts uh, chapter 16, they, prior to that, they had been uh, missionaries together, and then they had a disagreement over uh, John called Mark. He was one of their other kind of sidekicks, and Paul basically said, this guy is not really pulling his weight, and Barnabas said, no, I believe in him, and they got into a disagreement, and, you know, should they or shouldn't they have? That's, you know, up for biblical debate, but um, bottom line is they kind of just said, you know what, it'd probably be best for us to just, you know, go different directions. And, um, you know, again, some people, someone could correct me and say, hey, that was really wrong for them to do. But I, I think there is a time where we can say, you know what, we just feel like we could um, be a bigger blessing to those uh, in our spheres of influence by devoting our full energy and attention to uh, the mission. Now, a part of the question might also be, well, we feel like we're empowered to start our own missional community and no one's going to put up a fuss with that. But our issue is that we just feel really uh, drained by the rest of church life. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, we have our missional community that meets once a week, but man, going on a Saturday morning and sitting through a 
traditional, you know, worship service that is not focused on making disciples. That's very draining. So, oh, wise one, Camille. What would I mean? It's it's just the same advice, right? Like, just maybe move on. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Putting her on the spot. This, my friends, was not practiced or rehearsed ahead of time. So, what would you do, Camille? What are you saying? You're saying encouraging those to. I mean, we're basically, I think I've basically been saying there might come a time where you just got to cut the cord. Yeah, the challenge is um, I love what church could be, Mm. where you're coming together and you're worshiping God. But a lot of time it doesn't necessarily feel like that Mm -hmm. um, because it's so much more of a program and so much more of a spectator um, situation. Um, and I think it's so important that we worship together. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to say anything about, you know, cut the cord or not cut the cord or anything like that. But um, I feel like that's maybe partly where the question is coming from. Maybe I'm reading into it. I didn't do any follow up with these individuals. But um, I think if you're if you this is what I would advise. This is plain. This You know. This is my advice. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, You know, don't quote, you know, hold me to this. Um, But if you really, 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 after much prayer, counsel, uh, reflection, feel as though God is calling you to launch out into the deep, then go for it and start a missional community. Gather a few people. You're not doing this again, as a way to um, divide divide, and, and to judge and to, you know, act as though you are the holy people. And since I'm leaving this um, uh, anonymous, if the people who do this leave and then they say, well, Sean Bray said we should do this, I'm going to plead like ignorant because I haven't said your name. <laughs> and so <laughs> you can't pin this on me. But no, um, yeah, start start a missional community in your neighborhood and your in your context, and um, God will bless you. I believe you're you're not you're not leaving the denomination of Seventh Day Adventist denomination, which is where they're coming from. You're not against the theology. You're not saying that you know Adventism isn't true. I would also, at the same time, maybe just reach out to. Uh, if if you think that's appropriate, reach out to um, administration on a conference level and just say, hey, this is what we're up to. And and the, you might be surprised. A conference may be super excited about this initiative, this mm-hmm. idea, um, and may want to you know encourage you and Support even have you. people that would be interested in joining you with that effort. The reality is, and this goes back to our... Um, episode with my my boy Jared Thomas where he says he just came out of the church closet and said I don't like church guys I just had another conversation with another friend of mine who asked his wife he said what are the only things in life you do that you do because you have to not because you want to and she said two things um exercising indoors she hates exercising indoors but she does it because she has to and number two going to church and he's like whoa what's up with that you know she's a very conscientious committed christian she loves jesus she loves truth she loves doctrine she's like i can't do church i just can't do it so this is this is something that i mean we keep saying it have we said it enough camille we're like a broken record um i think people 
within our particular community of faith are going to con- going to start recognizing more and more and more the reality of where we are and how just there's so many individuals that are like the gig is up we need to move on to something that's more missional more personal more communal more gospel centered one thing that was really intriguing uh last october um we went to a wedding for some church members in ohio yes that was september so i was very confused end of september beginning of october i believe I don't remember the dates now. I think it was the beginning of September because it was before I went to Australia. Regardless. (laughs) Um, And we knew um, the bride, but it was the first time meeting the groom. Yes. And we talked with his parents, and they are part of a whole network and group of home churches, Mm -hmm. which just sounded so amazing to me. Um, And I just loved that idea of people in small groups working together to influence their spheres and mm-hmm. circles around them and their communities mm-hmm. um, and being able to share about it like on a weekly basis. I just love that I idea. mean, this is Francis Chan to refer to a pretty well-known Christian pastor as well. He was a pastor of a huge mega church and probably... I think we shared that on here once, didn't we? If we did, it was so long ago that I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he was a pastor of a large uh, megachurch, one of the most popular pastors in America, probably top five or ten, however you you know qualify these things. And he just one day said, you know what? This isn't doing it for me. And he left that ministry, and he started a home church network in San Francisco, and it's called We Are Church. And uh, they have, you know... I like that name. Yeah. We Are Church. They have like, I don't know, 30 of these home churches in San Francisco. They require that each church plants a new church every two years at least. And so they know that the goal is to make disciples and to multiply the kingdom. So... um, We Are Church. We Are Church. Yes. Now, Camille, I believe you want to read a quote for us that is absolutely a bombshell of a quote. And of course, yes. there's always context to these quotes, and I'm going to share the context with you with you in a, in a in a moment or two. A friend of ours in a previous church where we pastored used to share this quote with me. Very, very, I love this guy. Um, he, he he always had a burden for mission work, and uh, he would like to share this quote with me. And I was always fascinated by it. And it's a very dangerous quote, so use it with caution. Okay. <laughs> So this quote is from a woman that we respect and appreciate, Ellen White, one of the founders of our denomination. And without further ado, Camille, drum roll, please. All right. So this says, there is a little hope in one direction. Take the young men and women and place them where they will come as little in contact with our churches as possible. That the low grade of piety, which is current in this day, shall not leaven their ideas of what it means to be a Christian. And that is found in Manuscript Releases, Volume 12, page 333. For those of you who are interested in looking it up. Read that key line again about taking them 
Um, Take the young men and women and place them where they will come as little in contact with our churches as possible, that the low grade of piety which is current in this day shall not leaven their ideas of what it means to be a Christian. Camille, is that that what we would call a mic drop quote? (laughs) I believe it is. Now, I mean, why does that, Camille, you like that quote. Why Why does it speak to you? Um, to me, it's just mind blowing. I hadn't heard it until, I don't know, probably less than a year ago. I think I heard it. And, um, sometimes I feel that Mm. like in our churches. Um, and I think I've talked about it before, but where you go in and there's a song service happening and it feels like you just walked into a funeral Mm. and, like, I want to be up and I want to be praising God and I want to be worshiping him. I don't want to be sitting, singing a song, like, in a monotone voice with no enthusiasm and no passion. Um, and that I know that's just me personally. I know there's a lot of different styles of worship. I know there's a lot mm-hmm. of different ways people like to worship. Um, and it's not even just about worship. It's about just the low missionary zeal we're going to find out here in a yeah, second as well. I mean that 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 passion that we don't see and I mean I I've been guilty of it I'm not saying that I haven't um where you're distracted with life and you're distracted with other things going on um and yeah yeah and which was fascinating to me I had heard this quote from our friend Kevin and I had never I had kind of shared it very cautiously with different people because Again, this is not a quote where you say, okay, this applies to all people at all no. times and all places. Like, oh, you know, the 17-year-old kid who um, wants to play, you know, video games for the worship service, hey, we advise him to go to a different church because he's not getting his way. That's not what this quote is saying. But evidently, there is a time and a place, and there, well, there was a time and a place where she gave this counsel to people and she said, hey, young people, make sure that you don't get caught up with all of that low commitment, you know, lack of spirituality that goes on in our churches. So maybe it'd be best if you just don't be involved with these churches anymore. And um, I thought that was really powerful. But So I'd always heard this in the back, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd had this quote in the back of my mind and then I looked at the larger context of the quote, trying to figure out, okay, what applies, what doesn't apply. And it turns out that she wrote this in a letter originally to a gentleman by the name of Stephen N. Haskell. He was a good New Englander who uh, was very influential as a leader within our denomination. And she wrote this to him in 1892, 1892. And I don't know exactly which church it was she was talking about. I haven't exhausted the historical context, but I went back and started reading it, and it was fascinating what she was talking about directly because she says this in the second paragraph. She writes to Haskell. She says, My mind is exercised day and night in regard to our missionary work. I am alarmed because there is so little genuine burden for perishing souls. There is work to be done in home missionary efforts. Why are there not hundreds giving themselves to the performance of this work where now there is but one? What is the matter that the church does not arouse and seek with earnest prayer and determined effort to set their people in the church to work? So this is the context she's sharing. She's like, dude, this church that you're at, 
these churches that are under your care, they're like dead. They don't care about perishing people, people who are hurting in the world. And so then she's like, so maybe the best thing to do would be to take the young people in that church and like get them out of there. So it's like, uh, maybe the shoe fits in the context of the people who asked us this question for this episode. Maybe it doesn't. Well, it's interesting too. And I know we've hit on this in probably several different episodes, but you know, you, you look at the context of how we grew up and just to recap, Bo Sean and I went to seventh day Adventist elementary schools, high schools, colleges, and we both loved our experiences. Like we couldn't say enough good about them in fact sean and i would totally do high school all over again well kind of we enjoyed it we enjoyed it but what i'm saying is but when you look at the larger context of many people in our class um from elementary schools and, and and elementary school and the high school that high schools that we went to there's not a lot of our classmates who are still in the church um and I wonder if it has to do partly because of this, because mm-hmm. they don't see the pa- young people are not seeing the passion mm-hmm. within the church. Mm-hmm. They're not seeing that um, the missionary work happening. They're not seeing the authentic burden for hurting people. Yeah. It's, it's just like a two hour thing. You we do preach it, but yeah. maybe they're not seeing that. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there um, because because I know it's still happening. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean and I have stayed in the ministry um, for, for many different reasons, and the main one being because we love God and we believe in the mission. Um, but that's not the case for many, many, many of our friends that we went to school with and that we grew up with. Yeah, we were, we were reflecting, I don't know, three or four months ago, we were having a little afterglow, if you will, as we like to call it, uh, with Cameron and Ellie after our, one of our missional community gatherings. And I can't remember if it was, whoever it was, we just stopped for a moment. And we're like, do you realize that we're like some of the only people that have actually stuck with this? Because there's, like you say, so many like of our peers who they just don't have a place for it. And yeah, it can be frustrating, um, but you just keep on... Being, you know, yeah, I feel like it's, sometimes like it's almost like that's kind of like the answer in some ways. It's kind of like, okay, well, what we were doing or what we have been doing is not working. Mm-hmm. So, what can we do differently? <laughs> and I know I sound like a broken record because I like I say that all the time in a lot of these it's episodes. It's been over a month since you were on. I know, so I gotta repeat to myself, gotta exactly. Repeat yeah. But it's true. Like, let's think outside <laughs> the box, folks. Let's. <laughs> Let's not keep doing the same thing, you know? Uh, yeah. So, interestingly, just to close the loop here on this letter that Ellen White wrote to Stephen and Haskell, she wrote that in 1892. In 1902, and I'm not saying Haskell was one of the problems when she wrote the letter, but in 1902, Camille, you're peeking, you're seeing, looking at my notes. I'm trying to see in 1902, where you're going. At the age of 69 years old, do you know where Stephen N. Haskell and his wife moved? New York City. New York City. Wasn't that a commercial back in the day? New York City. It's like a taco commercial for El Paso hot sauce or something. I believe you. <laughs> um, so at 69 years old, they moved to New York City of all places to do missionary work. 
they they rented an apartment in Manhattan and you know and then back in those days 69 was even older than it is today because life expectancy wasn't as long they weren't as healthy but he and his wife they go and they move to New York City now which now this is a side note and we can have a whole episode maybe in the future about mission to the cities uh, there is a sentiment within our particular faith community that says you can't live in the cities. You got to get out of the cities. No, you gotta it's get not out you of... can't live in the cities. It just. No, there is, Camille. We get people moving up here to Maine who have that mentality. They think the way to reach the cities is to live outside of the city and to drive in and be there for the day and then drive out. He moves into New York City to do missionary work. Check this out. Uh, Ellen White writes again to him in 1902, and she says, Brother Haskell, the Lord has given you an opening in New York City, and your mission work there is to be an example of what mission work in other cities should be. Your work in New York has been started in right lines. You are to make in New York a center for missionary effort. The Lord desires this center to be a training school for workers and nothing is to be allowed to interrupt the work. So, you know what I like best about that story? What's that? That I did New York City. No, <laughs> I don't get that. <laughs> no, what I like best about that is their age. Yeah. Boom. Because, I mean, we've had people say they're too old to start something new or Ooh, change yeah. their direction of which they've been going or, or something like that. And I love that. 69 years young young and they're willing to move in move right into town right into downtown manhattan i love that that's awesome so i don't know what... so the message is if you're 69 or older yes find a city no i'm just joking yeah that's a good one though um so hopefully our dear friends who personally requested this episode and it wasn't even directly to us i must add we they had a a kind of liaison relay the message on to us. Not that we're not friends with them ourselves, but they were hoping to... Anyway, also, I digress. Also, I'd like to point out that we actually have had a, a couple of other yes, requests. we will get to those as well. And questions um, from other people who have been listening, which we love. Thank you for the feedback. Um, yes, we will, and we will get to those. Yes, we, we will be getting... Yes. To we, some other questions. Yes, and, we are happy to customize. To yeah, and your, maybe this fall we would do another... Um, question and answer. Question and answer. But we have had you know, a couple different requests for mm-hmm. different episodes, so we're working on them. Next week, however, this is going to be huge. Next week will actually be episode 52. And do you know what that means, Camille? We've been going for a year. It will mark one year of... The podcast, and we have not missed a single week. What are you going to get for me? Um, <laughs> well, P.S. It's Mother's Day on Sunday, and I haven't thought about anything because I've had this marathon on my Shocking. brain. <laughs> uh, crossing the finish line will be my gift to you, Camille. Wow! Because that'll be the Can't end wait. of the eighteen weeks of training when I've been like seven or eight hours a week outside the house and stuff so yeah, yeah. Ha- happy mother's day yeah. um so yeah episode 52 that's uh, cool i didn't yeah, know that yeah and we'll be coming back and a sneak peek we'll be talking about what we've learned in the last year like what's some what are some of the things we've learned so does that sound good to you yeah and you know what it would be cool to hear what some people have learned outside of ourselves 
There you go. So if you hear this between now and Thursday, May 17, when we will likely record this next episode, you can write to us and let us know what you've learned uh, that you have. If you've uh, learned anything, yes. <laughs> even small, minute stuff in the, the last year. Aside from New York City. Oh, my mercy. <laughs> we'll have to put a link to that like commercial up in the show notes. Um, so anyway. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully there was some uh, good information that specifically those that asked can glean. And if you weren't one who asked, which is to say 99% of you, you also benefited from our thoughts and musings today. Anything else? Uh, It's been good to be back and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast.